Hello and welcome back to the TTP, Tatani Talks Parsha, the year where we talk about the Parsha of the week with some practical lessons to keep. We are, of course, in Sefer Bamidbar and we come to a very curious Parsha. We come to a very interesting Parsha, the Parsha, of course, called Parshas. Balak talking about the idea, the situation, the story of Bilam and Balak. Bilam, of course, being the famous non Jewish prophet. Balak, of course, being the head, the king of one of our enemies. And they, they have this partnership almost, this alliance, because the enemy of the enemy is my friend. The old saying goes, the quote goes from secular culture. And the question, first of all, is why were the non-Jews allowed to have a non-Jewish prophet? And, of course, many commentators, many people point out so that the non-Jews should not ever say, God forbid, if we had a prophet, you had Moshe, you had great leaders, if we ever had a prophet, whatever that means for non-Jews, we would have been able to be better and do better. So Hashem gave them a prophet and they still did bad, quote-unquote prophet, however that was for Bilaam. Of course, we know the story that Balak hires Bilaam. He tells him to curse the Jews and, uh, and Bilaam goes with bad intents and Hashem keeps telling him over and over again, you should only speak what I tell you. You should only say good. Bilaam, of course, still having evil in his heart. He's stopped by an angel that he can't see. The, 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 the donkey moves to the side, crushes his leg and then tries to veer right and left, not in that order, and then crouches finally at the end of, and Balak and Bilaam, excuse me, smashes and hits the donkey three times. Hashem opens the mouth of the donkey and Bilaam still doesn't get the message. Hashem opens Bilaam's eyes and he sees the angel with a fiery sword in his hand and he gets down and he finally acknowledges it. He doesn't even acknowledge the fact that the donkey is speaking to him. The whole aspect of this whole parsha seems very bizarre. Seems very out there and seems very different. There's not a single mention of any Jewish element. It's almost like we're reading Lahavdil, a book, a mystery, a novel, and we're seeing the chapter from like a different person's perspective. You know, oftentimes authors will do this, especially in the olden days with the non-Jewish books, but of course, once we got married and, and my wife and I tried to, to read better, to do better, we switched over to Jewish books, but oftentimes they will do the story from the protagonist's point of view from the main hero of the story but sometimes they will do it from the antagonist from like the evil person's point of view the enemy the bad guy's point of view and i find that fascinating when authors do that actually and i feel like here hashem is doing that on some level the whole torah has the viewpoint of of hashem and, and moshe and speaking and and the narrator as hashem from the jewish people's perspective here hashem inserts a partial literally an entire partial that has nothing to do with the jewish people themselves it's it's our enemies that want to hurt the Jewish people. The Jewish people are going about their business. It's almost as if they're in the background on the play. Center stage is Bill and Bullock, and to the right, far right, off stage is the Jewish people. They're not even involved in this. They're like in the side, and they're doing their own thing. There's no mention of the Jewish people or Moshe or Aaron or anybody in this Parsha. It's Bill and Bullock, and isn't that fascinating? Hashem devotes an entire Parsha. To these people, to Bilaam and to Balak, involved in this story, trying to curse the Jewish people. And I feel like what we can learn from here is, of course, the idea of We talk about this oftentimes, oftentimes on Pirkei Avos, on the TTPA show that we do, which, of course, finished up for the summer, but we bring it back during the school year, Bli Neder. But we talk about the idea of And Mikol Ha'adam, some commentators 
say? Well, Hashem wouldn't put a parsha in the Torah that has no relevance if it isn't, of course, relevant. Hashem wants us to learn something from these people. What are we supposed to learn from these people? So point blank, right away, we could see from Bilam how a person should not be arrogant, should not be haughty. Bilam says, you know, these are not... He's thinking to himself, the commentators point out that Balak sends a few people as an entourage to Bilam. It's not good enough. Bilam sends him back. He sends more people, not good enough. More people, still not good enough. And Bilam has the audacity to say to Balak, even if you would give me your entire house full of gold and silver, I cannot transgress the word of Hashem, whatever he says. Seemingly, it sounds nice that he's trying to obey Hashem. But really, if you look into the phrase, you look into the comment, it's, it's Bilam saying that I think I'm worth your entire house of gold and silver silver. I am worth all the money you own. Why are you not paying me enough? Why are you not paying me as much as I think that I deserve? Arrogant, greedy, haughty, wants money, wants money, wants to do whatever he can to use his powers, use his abilities for bad. What could he have done? What could he have accomplished, Bilam Harasha? What could he have done if he would have used his talents for good? Everyone in this world, we just read today in Kasuva 6 on the TTD, on the Tiny Talk stuff. We read earlier in the week, obviously, we talk on, on uh, the NSN Nachum Siegel show on Thursday nights. But when we're thinking about the Dafyomi earlier in the week... We saw about glory. We're supposed to bring glory to the world. We're supposed to use our talents, our capabilities, our abilities to do good in this world, to do accomplishing. You have the ability to be someone who's strong with his hands, the mazo, whatever that means, and the ability. And when people look at you, they see that you could rip and you could do things. People look at Esav Lahavda, we talked about this a different week, and they see that he was murderous in his eyes. He could kill, and he killed for bad. He was a hunter, destroying people, taking people's wives. Very, very bad. People looked at David, and they were worried because he was red too, and it seemed like he was going to be a murderer, God forbid. But then they said that you look at David's eyes, and his eyes were plain, his, uh, his eyes were fair, his eyes were good. His eyes were good. They were light eyes because David would only kill on the advice of the Sanhedrin. He had a tendency for war for, to be a warrior, but he was a great ruler. And he took his tendency and used it for good. Someone could be have the tendency for bloodshed, but use it to be a mohel. Use it to be a shochet, to spill blood for, for a mitzvah. You have the capabilities, you have the abilities. Bilam could have been a great prophet for the non-Jews, inspiring them to repent, inspiring them to do good, inspiring them to make a difference in the world, a good difference in the world. You don't have to do 613 mitzvahs, just the Sheva mitzvahs. So they know you could be good and maybe you could even earn a spotum olam haba. Of course, I don't know how that works. Way above my prayer grade. I'm just a balabais, not a rabbi in any way, shape or form. But when we think about it, we have the ability to do good. And even Perke Avos points out, I forget where, but of course it comes up in Pirkei Avos that they say, They talk about how Avram Avinu is someone who's humble, someone who has good in his heart, is generous, is bashful, is embarrassed, and is someone that has a humble spirit. And, and Bilam, of course, is the opposite, arrogant, greedy, boastful, not shamefaced, not embarrassed, and doesn't want to do kindness and good for the world. And what's the difference between them both? Avram Avinu's students, the Bnei Yisrael, who have shame, who have kindness in their hearts, who have generosity, who are humble, have the ability to inherit the next world and to inherit this world, doing mitzvahs and chesed and Torah learning. Of course, the students of Bilam Harasha, quote-unquote students, who learn from his ways, who are greedy, who are arrogant, who are terrible, will not inherit the next world and will not inherit this world in the right way anyway, either. The question I always have, 
I don't have a good answer. Of course, the commentators probably talk about this. I didn't look into it. Why is Avram and Perkeyevos compared to Bilaam? Shouldn't Moshe be compared to Bilaam? The, the non-Jews said, the nations of the world said, we need a non-Jewish prophet to be like Moshe that the Jews have so we have someone who could have inspired us, who could have, looked, who could have had us look up to him, who could have had us do better. So if we had Moshe, then they had Bilaam. So why is Bilaam compared to Avraham? I don't have a good answer. The only connection I could think of is that Rashi, I believe the commentator points out that when Bilaam was hired to do the job, he woke up in the early and saddled his own donkey because he was in such a zealous rush of fervor to curse the Jewish people. No, he did not have good intentions. Even though he kept saying, I can only do what Hashem says, he's hoping that Hashem will allow him to do the bad. Bilaam supposedly was a soothsayer, a magician, a necromancer in some way that he could calculate the one moment of the entire day that Hashem got angry, whatever that means, and he could use that moment to the detriment of the Jewish people, that Hashem, instead of being Racham in that second, is a Dayan and would take out his anger and could actually destroy the Jewish people. Apparently the commentators say that on that day when Bilaam tried to curse, Hashem didn't let himself use that moment to get angry anyway. So, jokes on Bilaam. But anyway, the question could be, what's the connection? So, Rashi, the commentators say, Bilaam, wicked one, foolish one, you think you're so great for saddling your own donkey, even though you had hundreds of servants and hundreds of people accompanying you, you got up early to saddle your own donkey? Their forefather, their great forefather, the Jewish people, Avram Avinu, many generations before you, woke up even earlier than you. And he saddled his own donkey earlier than you to do a great thing, to do the Akedas Yitzchak, to bring his own son to be sacrificed. Obviously, he wasn't sacrificed, but he didn't know that at the time. And he woke up earlier than you, even though he had many, many, many servants and hundreds of followers and many people that could have done his bidding. But Avram said, no. I will wake up early in the morning. Bilaam, you think you're great? Their people, the Jewish people, had someone much greater than you who was a prophet in his own way, obviously too, Avram, and he saddled his own donkey by Yachavoshes Chamorom in the morning, early morning, to take Yitzchak to the Akedah. And of course, they reached such spiritual pinnacle heights that Hashem didn't even have to talk to Avram after that because he reached his zenith. He reached his potential using his talents for good. Avraham and Bilaam, for some reason, are connected. Some reason are compared in Perkeavos. I wonder if it's because of this idea of Ayachavoshes Chamorot. Bilaam using it for bad in the morning. Avram using it for good. Avram's students using it being people that are bashful, that are embarrassed, that are kind, that are humble, that are giving, that are generous, involved in chesed and Torah and mitzvahs in life, in our lives. Bilam students obviously being the opposite, being arrogant, being not humble, not bashful, not embarrassed and not giving and very selfish types of people. So we think about this partial, we think about learn from all, learn from people, learn from everyone around you. Hashem puts an entire portion of the Torah. And Hashem doesn't waste words. You know, there are sometimes, some aspects of the Torah where we learn a halacha from a line. We learn a halacha from an extra word or a comparison of words or even a letter or a crown of a letter. Rabbi Kiva would nourish every S in the Torah. Aleph Tuf. Until he came to one he couldn't interpret. He threw it all away and then his student came and told him or someone else came and Rabbi Kiva did. I can't remember which sage to teach like what does it come to include he couldn't figure it out and the S comes to include that you should learn and love even the sages and the Torah scholars who are likened to Hashem who are like Hashem and then it was all good again all the S's were taught about us so there's an entire part of the Torah that we don't have any mitzvahs or whatnot, but of course there's something to learn and the commentators also point out to us even though we learn halachot sometimes from a line 
sometimes from a word or a letter, why would the Torah, quote-unquote, waste so much precious space, so much precious real estate and words in the Sefer of Bereshis, recounting the whole story of Eliezer when he goes to get Rivka for Yitzchak? Why does he repeat Why does he repeat the whole story? The Torah doesn't waste words, doesn't mince words. The commentators point out that on some level, the, the, the common talk of the servants of the patriarchs is even greater and more pleasing to Hashem than even halachos and even mitzvos. And maybe that's what's happening here too, that somehow, on some aspect, Aspect. The common talk of the enemies is to teach us a lesson, to teach how much Hashem loves us, loves the Jewish people, that will recount an entire story that has no mitzvahs and no Jewish aspect to it at all, just to show us the antagonist view, just to show us the antagonist story, the antagonist trying to harm us, and look what Hashem does. It's kind of like the story where last week in Chukas, the commentators also point out, the Jewish people didn't even know that there were people trying to kill them. They were hiding in the caves above them when they were walking through a stream, and then they saw blood in the stream. They realized Hashem did a miracle for them. Some people say, that there were two people outside the Ananiya Kavod who noticed it and told the Jewish people Hashem made both mountains come against each other and destroyed the, the enemies of the Jewish people in the mountains. Also like the idea of Yamsuf where the Bnei didn't even know what happened to the to the Egyptians and they were so worried when they came out of the water on the other side. What if the Egyptians are still coming? So Hashem made it that the water spit out the Egyptians so that the Jewish people would know that their threat was actually neutralized. So maybe it could be that Hashem puts this Parsha in to teach us the antagonist's view, to teach us the enemy of the story, the the bad guy in the story, Bilam and Balak, teaching that the enemy of the enemy is a friend, that they're working together, unfortunately, even though they hated each other for the sake of, of hurting the Jewish people, they made peace and tried to go to war against us. Of course, in the end, Bilam was not successful. We even use a Pasuk from the story, from his prophecy, quote-unquote, we say it every day in the morning in, in in davening and tefillah, and the kids learn it from a very young age, because we learn from all, and it's important to see the antagonist view. It's important to learn the antagonist view, and it's important to keep in mind what Hashem does for us, how Hashem orchestrates the world, how Hashem takes care of the world, how Hashem takes care of us, that even though sometimes there might seem to be a lack of a reason for such an interesting story. Uh, stories are great. Agatha is great. I happen to love Agatha parts of the Gemara, Mashalim, and parables and stories and teachings. That's why I love Pirkei so much. It's so many moral teachings and ethical teachings, how the sages would go about their lives and what types of sayings they would live by, what type of sayings they would put in their own life. But sometimes it's important to think of the antagonist view, and it's also important to think of the view of not of what not to do it. We could learn from everyone. We could learn how Balak was even rewarded for the 42 sacrifices he gave so that Bilam could be inspired to do his prophecy, even though it wasn't the type of prophecy that Balak wanted. The commentators point out, you know what Balak's reward was? Even though he did it for a sin, for a bad reason, his intention was to get it for a bad reason. But even though it was a bad intention, it was still a good act of giving sacrifices to Hashem. So Hashem allowed that the reward would be that generations later, who was born from him? Rus. And who comes from Rus? Of course, David HaMelech. So the ancestry of one of the greatest kings of all time, the ancestry of one of the best rulers of all time, and the paradigm of Tshuva, after different situations in his life, David HaMelech, who is the author of Tehillim, the beautiful, beautiful words of Tehillim, has ancestry going all 
ancestry going all the way back to Balak. Isn't that fascinating? Isn't that amazing? So we think about this Parsha, we think about this part of the Torah, we could think about looking at the antagonist view. It goes back to the beginning where we talk about oftentimes with these novels, especially Jewish novels, which we try to read on Shabbos and Yom Tov especially, but when we see the other viewpoint, we could appreciate what Hashem does for us. We could think about what Hashem does for us. We could learn what not to do, how not to be a person who's who's using talents for the wrong, for the bad, use talents for the good, and how we could learn from everyone. Even Balak was rewarded for giving the sacrifices, giving the karbanos to Hashem, even though it was a bad intention, but a good action. So even if you have bad intentions, you should still good, do good actions, so hopefully you'll have good intentions for good actions. That's like mitoch shalolashma, for the wrong reasons, eventually you'll come to the right reasons. That's like your smile when you're angry eventually you'll smile when you're happy training yourself to do things in different ways what we could do is we could learn from these people we could learn from the antagonists we could see the antagonist view and their side of the story here we could learn from Bilam not to be haughty not to be arrogant not to be greedy especially to be a Talmud of Avram as Perkevas teaches us we could learn from Balak not to do things for the wrong reasons, not to try to hurt our enemies in a wrong way, and to, not to make peace with an enemy to hurt someone else, but to figure out our own things in different ways, in diplomatic ways, in proper ways. Use our talents, use our abilities for good. If you have a talent, you have a capability, you have some way to accomplish something, we should use it for the better. We should use it for the best way possible to bring glory to Hashem. Bilam was a great non-Jewish prophet. He could have done so much good things in the end. His end was that he gave terrible advice to Moab for the daughters to try to mess up the Jewish people and, and he told them to, to go about different ways of different dress and then eventually they would show the, the men the Jewish idols so there would be many sins all over the place a lot of Jewish people died because of those sins which are two major sins that are Yarog Vel Yavar obviously and his end was that in the, in the war he was literally split open by a sword Bilam was destroyed by a sword and he was, he was also lame on some level and then they killed him anyway he did not have a good end and he did not have a good use of his talents. We have to use our talents. We have to use our abilities, our capabilities for good. We have to learn from all people around us. Ezehu chacham halomeid mikaladam. Dalit Allah from Pirkei Who is smart? Who is wise? Someone who learns from everyone. And maybe that's one of the points here. We see the antagonist view here. We see the other side of the story for once. Very interesting. Like reading a novel, seeing the other viewpoint of the enemy. And we could take the things here. Hashem purposely puts this portion here for us to learn from others, to learn what not to do, learn how to be our good selves, to use our talents for the best, to make a difference in this world. Hopefully by doing so, we could be Zohar, to bring Mashiach speedily in our days, and we could build the base of Megdor speedily in our days, and may that day, of course, hopefully be today. This has been the TTP, Tani Talks Parsha, where we talk about the Parsha of the week with some practical lessons to keep, and I'm your host, Tani.